coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Interesting. Okay. Well, let's go. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> right on the top okay welcome welcome once again ladies and gentlemen to buzz on movies i'm teddy uh, i'm matt and we're here tonight to talk to you about a deep cut from both of our childhoods the 1994 live action and animated film the page master yeah i totally should have said i'm macaulay culkin when when, um, <laughs> when i was introducing myself that's solely because like i really was like this this character of macaulay culkin in this movie like that was me as a kid oh i, was a kid. I can see it i can I, see yeah. it now so like i really 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 there's a reason i like this movie so much and one of it is because i was this kid i was like but but this could go wrong and we could all die <laughs> so that's who i was as a child oh so, man i so. love macaulay culkin's character in this movie it's like probably one of the better child characters in a kid's movie yeah, at least from really that good. era uh but we'll get into that uh we've got a we've got a c- couple other things to cover tonight but first what are we drinking tonight matt look i am full of allergy meds <laughs> um among other meds and so i'm drinking <laughs> you would think that i would follow that up by saying i'm not drinking but what <laughs> you'd be instead, surprised i'm doing the exact opposite of what somebody on multiple medication should be doing and i'm drinking bourbon and coke zero <laughs> So caffeine and alcohol, yeah, like two things I should not be having. Just adding adding uppers and downers to the mix, just yeah. to try to um, level it all out. There's no way to balance it out at this point. There's no way to like draw even. It's all. It's like this is like a a no win game that I'm playing right now. <laughs> um, so like I just figured I need something that will help me stay awake, but also will. Like, you know, bourbon kind of like, you know, like strong liquor does some stuff to your sinuses. I was like, this will help. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that'll clear you out. <laughs> exactly. So. Well, yeah. Okay. So you're going full fear and loathing over there. I, um, I really, I if I were, if I were in the proper frame of mind, I would have come up with a Jekyll and Hyde themed drink. I will okay. say that. Yeah. Well, I am drinking a Jekyll and Hyde themed Good. drink. Good. Okay. Um, it's, it's not... As Jekyll and Heidi, as I plan on it being originally, I was trying to go for something that really emulated the uh, the look of Jekyll's uh, drink in the movie, which is awesome. Like, the, like fucking battery acid. He's drinking like this glowing martini glass thing, uh, which looks incredible. I couldn't I didn't quite have the ingredients for that. Uh, and I was trying to make like a dragon themed drink as well, but all the recipes I was finding, I'm missing more ingredients for woefully understocked right now, but I did find a recipe called a Jekyll and Hyde. Um, it's from death and company. Uh, oh, yeah. And, um, it's a pretty interesting recipe. We got uh, bourbon, apple brandy, cinnamon syrup, um, a couple kinds of bitters and demerara, uh, and lemon orange peel. It's really nice. It's one of those like classic style cocktails, but a new twist on it. Um, it's very good. I don't really know what it has to do with Jekyll and Hyde, but I'm enjoying it. So, um, there's that. 
What does it have to do with your fun? <laughs> um, okay, why not? Yeah. Sounds good, though. I like it. Yeah. I wonder if they serve that at their bar. Um, yeah, I assume that they that like they make did an at actual, some point. you know, a version. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are, I did also find some recipes from the Jekyll and Hyde bar in New York. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. I keep making plans with a friend to go there, and then it keeps falling through. Um, I haven't been there since, like, one time I went there when I was visiting um, before I ever lived here. And I found it, and I was like, this looks awful. Let's go. Um, <laughs> so we went. Um, and it was, like, as kitschy and ridiculous as it sounds. So I want to go back so badly. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been twice. I went, like, one time when I was, like, 13 years old with my family. And it was much more like fully involved then. I, at least that's how I remember it. Like they had all the effects and everything working. It was very like in the vein of like Rainforest Cafe and stuff yes. like that. And then I went back another time as an adult and it was a lot sadder. <laughs> like there's, there was far, it was middle of the day. There was like nobody there. And like a lot of the stuff was shut down. There was like two animatronics that would keep talking to each other throughout the day okay, um you went there in the middle of the day so. yeah i'm hoping i'm hoping it sticks around and and has a revival because i'll, I'll it like it still the, is a thing it's still a thing i, I mean like people the vibe still of the go place. all the time maybe sometime when i'm up there we'll go we'll go check that yeah. out <laughs> that would be great yeah. live show from the jekyll and hyde bar yeah. <laughs> live from the jekyll and hyde club it's buzzed we, on movies we can we can we can do a, a a pub crawl jekyll and hyde down to the slaughtered lamb Oh, oh my god! <laughs> we have one of those here too. Um, so, I'm I'm very into kitschy themed bars. So that's I mean, obviously. I love a kitschy bar. It's obviously, um, on my radar. But yeah, so there were a few recipes online from drinks from there, but they none of them were particularly impressive. No, uh, like they're um, I would not say the point is to find good things to consume at the Jekyll and Hyde bar. <laughs> no. Um, I would say it's kind of like the, it's, I mean, like with all kitschy bars or a lot of kitschy bars, the point is the atmosphere. It's not really what you're um, like. The food is like, all right, you know, it's basic food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the but, drinks are like basic, you know, it is what it is. The point is the, the vibe. So, yeah. Uh, hold on a second. What, what is this for? Do you want me to put glitter in my cocktail? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> I don't know if it really fits the kind of drink that I'm drinking. It does. It's it's the Maybe. the the glitter of fantasy. Oh, I'll put a little blue iridescent glitter in here. This okay. One's gold. This one's gold this time. Well, this one's not open. Okay. I'll I'll do the gold. <laughs> Just a little a little dash. I feel like this is more meant for a like a, like a more juicy cocktail, not a spirit forward cocktail. But we can we can throw a little in there. Why not? It's always worth it to have glitter in your beverage. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's that's kind of fun. That makes it a little more potiony. All right, yes. Thank you, Lauren, the glitter assistant for <laughs> for helping out here. Um so yeah, yeah. That, so we we we've pretty thoroughly covered what we're drinking tonight. 
why don't we talk about a few things that we've seen recently before we get into the main show tonight? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I finally got around to seeing Bo is Afraid. Um, um, I think you, what is it? Um, I think you mean. Bo <laughs> <View> is scared. Bo <laughs> is scared. I did, I did also get around to remembering the right title. That, yeah. Bo yeah. is scared. <laughs> uh that was a wild movie uh-huh it's three hours of like wild movie. three um, hours of intensity I hated it. lauren hated it um i think <laughs> i liked it time. but i do res- i understand people who didn't like it at all oh I yeah 100 get it yeah i mean it's kind of like going to see mother where it's like yeah. i love that movie but i was also like this movie is for like maybe 5% of the movie going population. Yeah, and I wouldn't even say I loved this one. Like I personally had issues with this movie, but like I largely liked it, but like mother, I loved and yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, this one it's long and I don't think it's totally justified in its length. So like, yeah, you feel it. You, it like, gets really a bit do. draggy at some point. Mainly it's not... the end. Like once, once what's her name shows up, I'm like, what are we doing? Like after, and, you know, uh, like well, we don't need this. And like the trial scene on the boat, like, come on, this is too much. We need to, we need to be shutting this down. Okay, I did, I did like the trial scene at the I end. I like though. that. Look, was like, I, oh, oh, we're snapping back. We're getting back to what made this great. And then I like all of the individual scenes. That doesn't mean I thought that they all needed to be used in this movie. That a lot is of a them felt to me like Ari Aster was like, I want this scene. And I don't know how I'll ever fit it into a future movie, so we should put it in here. True. And, true it, yeah. and I was like, all right. like <laughs> It's kind of like a collection of interesting sketches at some points. Yeah. You know? But, uh, yeah, I had a good time. You know, Me it's too. All... Yeah, it's, and it's very funny. I mean, the whole way through, it's very, very funny. Um, oh, definitely. <laughs> I Like, some people don't seem to comprehend that this is a comedy. Uh, maybe for good reasons. I mean, some people probably wouldn't find it very funny but i was definitely laughing a lot of this <laughs> despite it being deeply uncomfortable and anxiety inducing i mean it is uncomfortable but it's like it's meant to be funny i mean i don't know how else you could read half of this stuff like joaquin yeah. phoenix is obviously trying to be funny everything with amy ryan and nathan lane is obviously comedic oh god um, yeah that whole section like I, you know once like once Patty Lapone shows up, maybe things are a little darker for a bit there. Um, but even that's pretty funny. Um, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I think it's all pretty funny. Like, even yeah, that, it's at its darkest. It's that's a big difference between this and like something like Mother, which is like the undertone is more like a horror movie. Whereas this is like, yeah, it's super anxiety inducing and like a little disturbing at times, but also the undertone is like comedic as it goes through. Right. It, it's right. treating this whole scenario as absurd. Right. I did think it was so funny how much of the, uh, the trailer drew on like the play within a movie part <laughs> and made it seem like that was like a large portion of the movie yeah, where it was just like, like a small section of it. Yeah. That was definitely the weirdest part. Like things, thing, I rapidly forgot like what movie I was watching. It's like wow, we're like we're like seeing a whole different film right now. Yes, that was that was different. That was yeah. 
I really liked that sequence on its own, but that was another time where I was like, I feel like I'm being taken a little bit out of the movie. Um, but it was very good. It was very good, just like as its own piece. So um, no I can only imagine what the IMAX experience for this film was because this movie was released in IMAX, which makes it probably one of the craziest IMAX films that's ever been released. Yeah, that must be wild. <laughs> Also, I think about the people who went to, like, the Alamo thinking they were seeing a, like, special anniversary screening of, like, what was it, Hereditary with Ari yeah. Aster there yeah, for, like, yeah. commentary, and then it was three hours of this. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, like a lot of people who did were like, oh, yeah, what a nice Introduced by surprise. Emma Stone for reasons that I still don't understand. <laughs> what? Um, like, yeah. <laughs> That is, that's very strange. Um, yeah, a lot of people were like, oh, what a treat. But I can imagine some people being like, um, this isn't what I signed up for. Yeah, this is not really, I mean, I liked it, but I don't think it's really like, if you're a fan of his other movies, you're guaranteed to like this. No, no. There's no, like, this, this has more in common with many other films out there than his own other two movies. Right. Like, I think, like, the sickos are going to like both of them. Yeah. But like a lot of the horror fans that got drawn in by Hereditary are not necessarily going to be on board for Bo. Right. Absolutely not. Um, so, yeah, it was a, an interesting – it's interesting to think about people being like not tricked but like kind of tricked into watching this movie at a <laughs> random like surprise screening. So I'm like I don't think the, like the average crowd who wants to go see an anniversary screening of Hereditary is necessarily the same crowd of people who want to see Bo is Afraid. But, you know, <laughs> this is also a very funny movie to trick people into watching, like an objectively difficult watch. And it's 3 hours long. <laughs> yeah, like an objectively like difficult 3 hour long, long movie. <laughs> It's like, what are we doing? Um, my favorite <laughs> thing about seeing this movie um, was that our screening started like an hour late because he was changing the sound mixing at the last minute. Oh, so, yeah. Thank you, Ari Aster. Um, we love it. As as projection staff, we love it when a new copy of the film comes in in like 20 minutes before When the, the Alamo manager stood up there and said that, I like felt my like skin shrivel into me. I was like, what? That is a nightmare. I'm just hoping that the technology is a little better, like ten years on from when well, I, I was will doing this say stuff. that I asked like as the the then like the manager and waitresses were going around, and like she she comes up to me and I was like, "So where are we at in the process? Are we ingesting?" And she was like, "We're actually transferring." And I was like, "Okay, so it's all the same, and this is upsetting. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, so I don't know yeah. how far it's come. I mean, back back when I was doing this, ingesting a three-hour movie would have been, like, easily a four-hour process. I and that's if you weren't running anything else at the same time. If yeah, you were, I it would be, like, five or six hours. I should have asked when they started. Because I definitely, like, back when I was doing this, I have, like, vivid memories of getting the movie the day of and being like, oh, my God, will we make the 7 p.m., like, screening? <laughs> um, so, you know... Yeah, I don't. I don't know when they got it, because um, ingesting takes a while. But really, it was transferring that always took a while because you'd get it the fucking day of, and transferring while the projectors are in use. Yeah, and so like that takes fucking forever. Yeah, like yeah. if the, the if you would get it the night before, down. it could transfer when they weren't being used. That'd be great. That's yeah. when I used to do it because I was the projection manager, so I would always work on Thursday nights. And I would do all of that on Thursday night and just stay until like two or three dealing with it. 
after all of the like auditoriums had finished. Not yeah. as easy. <laughs> Those are the sweet spots, like late at night and first thing in the morning, because yes. otherwise, like you're running it at like half speed while movies are running. Right. Nuts. Oh god. Terrible. <laughs> terrible. And that's of course what of course the Alamo was doing, right? Like they were like, we have to keep our other movies going. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, you're not gonna shut down a whole screen all day just so you can just the movie. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. I sometimes think about too how like there's a lot of these theaters don't have like full time projection staff anymore. I'm like, oh boy, good luck. I know. <laughs> and I don't know if the Al- the Alamo some of the The, the Alamo, Alamo I think must... is a bit better. I think the Alamo still has projectionists. They must because I know that they have the Alamos here do have thirty five millimeter screenings. So yeah. you might... definitely need someone qualified to run that. Yeah. Because I know, I mean, the Nighthawks here have have a very a good staff for that. Because they always have thirty five millimeter screens. Like every day, they have at least one. So um, that's so. good. You I know. think the Alamo here also has them pretty regularly. At least the Brooklyn one does. I don't think the Manhattan one does as much, but the Brooklyn one does. And I'm sure the Staten Island one doesn't because Staten Islanders wouldn't care. Um, <laughs> those those philistines look the staten island alamo is like in like like an outdoor shopping mall it's like um for for virginia residents it's like fucking short pump so um so <laughs> it's, short you know pump. the people that go there are not the sort of people who care about 35 millimeter in fact they would probably look at 35 millimeter and think it looks bad so you know yeah, Come on. <laughs> I, I, I believe they would. Yeah, I remember back when I was working in the movie theater, the first stint when there were still mostly 35 millimeter projectors there with just a few digital ones. And somebody was like, I thought this was supposed to be digital. Why is there like all these scratches and stuff? I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> this is so much better. <laughs> it's authentic. Um, yeah, no. Um, Technically, the resolution is higher. People don't get it. People really don't get it. It's like listening to vinyl when it's like, yes, there are some some weird sounds that sometimes happen, but isn't it so much warmer? Don't you understand? Don't you feel this? People don't get it. People. People. I love 35. Yeah. I'm excited to be going somewhere where they're actually still... Doing 35 millimeter screening. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. You will be doing that. Yes. Yeah. I'm Definitely. sure uh, where you are now is not, um, uh, <laughs> not a lot of 35 around here, yeah. uh, <laughs> but you know, anyway, moving along. Um, I saw guardians of the galaxy. We should definitely talk about that. The, yeah. the latest Marvel film guardians um, of the galaxy volume three. Yes, yes. Big standout from some of the recent Marvel movies. I've always felt like the Guardians ones are like a step above the other ones. It helps that James Gunn has like a real point of view and vision for these movies. Um, But this one, man, like this was pretty wild for a superhero movie. Like especially all the stuff with Rocket's story. And his whole backstory. Yeah, uh, that was interesting. I, um, Rocket's story. Okay, so like the tone of this movie was like my only complaint because I was like, what are we, like the back and forth of like the tone? I was like, what is happening here? 
but like Rocket's story was like really upsetting. Um, and also he was like in like Sid from Toy Story's playground, like like all of these animals were like looking <laughs> yeah. like if like basically Sid had been given, yeah like access yeah. to a lab where he could do like genetic like shit like it was like if Sid were given the technology from Repo the genetic opera, this oh, is what yeah. would happen. Um, yeah, it was so disturbing. Uh, the stuff that the villain in this movie was doing, uh, the high evolutionary. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that was some pretty messed up stuff there. Like animal abuse can, can hit pretty hard in a film. Yeah, lots um, of, lots of animal abuse in this movie. Um, the animals are pretty sweet, but they are all, uh, they've been fucked up. Yeah. There's this like disturbing tone to like how they're all so visibly like, messed up and like experimented with and yet they're like having like this wholesome little story of becoming friends and stuff there's just like something that's why that's why it was that's why that's why i thought the tone was kind of weird like you're um because those scenes were like especially like like the music would be like this like really like sappy kids movie backing score with these animals like it was almost like like a, like a fucked up winnie it was like winnie the pooh blood and honey like <laughs> was playing out on screen in front of us oh god um, um so it was just like very very strange i really liked these scenes to be clear it was just like the the tone was so like in a way it was like darker while also like presenting like this like weird happy sappy thing happening between these these friends yeah yeah it was like intentionally off kilter a bit i mean i think it was intentionally trying to be incongruous like what what they were like feeling and and talking about and like how they were you know having this happy moment was supposed to be completely out of step with like what we were seeing and what we as an audience knew was going on um and i think that's the point was you know was you know but like the rest of the movie is not really quite as dark as all that i mean the rest of the movie is pretty serious too it's just not like the same level of like twisted dark like that was like kind of like whoa all right um so but the rest of the movie is more like you know it's good it's very good the rest of the movie is still very good it's just like more straightforward in its approach to um emotion i would say than those scenes, which were, I think, were like trying to draw emotion out of be out of juxtaposition. Um, so, um, yeah, that's all. But I did really like it, um, and I did think the movie had a lot of like really interesting other elements that I think a lot of superhero movies wouldn't have gone for. Like, I really, um, you know, they brought back um, fucking God. I can't fucking think. Um, didn't bring her back, but she's in the movie. Um, not Nebula um oh um saldana what's her yeah. what's her um i should know this i'm the comic gamora book gamora uh um, yeah um you'll we'll all have to forgive the fact that my brain is broken right now <laughs> um gamora and like it could have easily been like like in a lesser marvel movie she would have like i mean spoiler alert um she would have like fallen back in love with star lord yeah um and in this movie it really became a way to talk about how like sometimes like a person isn't the same person they were before. Um, and like, obviously in this case, there's a, like a very literal reason for that. Right. But also yeah. like, just like beyond the literal, that's also a lesson. I think that like, doesn't get, you know, like that's a real thing that happens. Like sometimes people change and 
they're just never going to be the person they were before, no matter how much they look like that exact person and act like them in some ways. And I thought it was like really interesting that a superhero movie was exploring that and didn't give them like some weird, like happy ending where they get back together or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I really appreciated that. Yeah. It made it like more complex and like the, even though at the end, like they didn't get together, they, they had an appreciation of each other and like what they had shared in a different version of their lives. Right. Um, which was nice. And it was an interesting way of hand handling, like something that had happened in a completely different movie, um, that now had to be incorporated into this one. And I think um, it's worth pointing out that it, it had to be, um, <laughs> Yeah, like he like Gamora had to come back, and I really think it was smart that it was handled in a way that wasn't the obvious route. Um, so um, I, I really liked it. I thought that I thought that alone set it apart from so many other Marvel movies because many other Marvel movies would have taken the the, the more fan servicey route. I would yeah, say. and I I liked that it gave uh, Quill an opportunity for personal growth as well as a character. Like he he is just focusing on like working on himself now. And that's also part of why he leaves the guardians at the end. Yeah. He's trying to like do some more personal discovery. Um, so yeah, it's, it's yeah. a very interesting place to, to leave it at the end of the movie. And they, they got some really good scenes that, I mean, they're both really good. I mean, let's have, you know, whatever Chris Pratt, we're all, we all have our feelings, yeah. but I think he's very good as as Peter Quill. Yeah, um, Chris Pratt I, I really like yeah. is my my favorite performance from him. Um, yeah, he's just he's he's perfect for the role. Maybe and he not my favorite performance from him. I like Parks and Rec a lot. Oh but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, <laughs> he's but, great in Parks and Rec too. But like it, of his like action star turn, yes, absolutely. Um, so um, I I really I really like him in this role, and I thought I thought this was a really good emotionally, like. The, the emotional payoff of this this movie was good um and he he handled it really well yeah um so if we're talking about acting performances we also definitely have to talk about chukwuri iwuji as the high evolutionary oh for sure because yeah. oh my god he is just like the most over the top like camp villain of all time um just acting it to the gills doing everything in every scene uh so crazy and i especially love how his performance amps up over the course of the film especially when you get to see him in flashbacks like he's he's got it at an appropriate level where he's like a little more normal before he gets like attacked and his face gets stretched back over his skull and whatever (laughs) (laughs) um but like towards the end of the film, he is like fully on a hinge, like spitting, yelling and stuff, like just doing full on theatrical acting in a superhero movie, <laughs> which I just <laughs> I love so much that he he just fully committed to this role. He's like a Shakespearean actor uh, and he's here like doing a comic book movie, <laughs> but right. he is like he's acting it like it's Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was all in on it. Right. Um, which I love. I mean, he, yeah, he definitely sold that performance. Um, he was a lot of fun as a villain. Um, I mean, he's also like a pretty frightening villain. Um, oh yeah. You know, definitely one of the more disturbing villains in the MCU at this point. Yeah. Another one of those villains who like, just like genuinely believes he's doing the right thing. Um, but he's like insane. So it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. 
Um, it was kind of interesting because um, you saw Quantumania, right? Did you see that? Yeah. Okay. I kind of felt like he had a lot in common with the villain from Quantumania, um, uh, Kang the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. But like this one just like hit it out of the park way better in terms of performance and in terms of like selling like what that, that villain was all about. Um, so, right. um, yeah, so I really, I really, I really appreciated his performance in this movie. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he was good. It was good. Yeah. Very fun time. Um, so yeah, I, I had a good time with that one. I felt like it was a good pl- place to wrap up the trilogy um very excited to see what james gunn does next you know he's working in the dceu mostly these days yeah and he's gonna be be doing all that he's gonna be directing a new superman movie soon so that should be the superman legacy that we're talking about i think nobody really knows what is actually about but, but no no but yeah definitely looking forward to whatever he does next well i always look forward to more james gunn um regardless of what the fans have to say and by the fans i mean the dceu fans um, and and specifically the snyder fans because those are mostly the people who are against him i really um <laughs> yeah you're not wrong it's just like a, a strange phenomenon out there it's a strange world is what i'll say about the dceu and its fans um and I think, I mean, the Mar- the MCU fans are pretty fucking weird. But DCEU yeah. fans have something else going on entirely. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. It's it's really, it's troubling. It's like, I'm not, I, I can't get on board with the Marvel fans, but at least they're like, just enjoying the movies. <laughs> right. <laughs> the DC fans are just like so bitter and like want to hate most of the DCEU. <laughs> unless it's exactly the ones that they want they see there's like a a contingency that only likes like batman versus superman and Zack snyder's justice league like there's like a contingency that and maybe man of steel like that's all they like and nothing else and yet they still watch all of the other movies and talk about them all the time i'm like what are we doing like um man it's weird it's wild it's a wild time out there um, can't wait for the flash <laughs> oh my god the flash movie this is this is gonna be so strange i mean could it actually be as good as everyone's saying that that they're overlooking all the trouble that they went through to get here <laughs> All. <laughs> I I have so much like it just seems so doubtful because of like the terrible production that happened like everything like leading up like we all know the drama all the reshoots the all the trouble with Ezra Miller like there's a lot of drama going into this movie most of the time movies like that do not turn out great right uh, <laughs> So, uh, and especially it's, it's like a superhero movie in the DCEU. So it's already got a lot going against it. Correct. This isn't going to be like, I don't know. Fucking what's, what's the Coppola movie? The, the, the heart of darkness movie that I can't remember right now. Yes. It's not going to be apocalypse now. (laughs) So 
it's most certainly not going to be Apocalypse Now. I think we can safely commit to that. It's um, it's troubling, but we'll see. Anyway, that's that is superhero corner for now. Um, I I do want to talk a little bit about I've I've continued my uh, Disney animated film watch after taking a little time off from that. Um, watched uh, Three Caballeros, which I'd seen before and really enjoy. Uh, it's kind of a, a continuation of what you see in uh, Saludos Amigos. Okay. But uh, I also saw Make Mine Music recently, which was a first time watch for me. Not a lot of those uh, in the Disney animated canon for me. Um, right. It's kind of weird. I've got like two stretches of Disney animated films I haven't seen. It's like the 1940s package film era and then like the movies from like 2005 to like 2010. That's sometime just, around there. That that late 2000s, that's fair. That's just valid. That's like I valid. haven't seen like Chicken Little and like Home yeah. on the Range or Bolt and stuff like that. Yeah. But Yeah, and like who wants to see those things? <laughs> I mean, you will you will, obviously. I will. I'm going to I'm going to finally see them, but yeah, so those those are two, and they're both two kind of like slumpy eras for Disney. Um, I mean, especially the 1940s, but like they were, it was during the war. A lot of their uh, production was turned towards wartime efforts and producing propaganda for the military and the government. Um, but they did put out all these these package films, which are just like a, sort of a arrangement of short films put together in a thematic way. Uh, and there's several of them. They're of varying quality. Make my music. I actually thought was, was pretty good. I, I, it was better than I expected. It's sort of like a poor man's Fantasia, like sure. doing different sort of animated interpretations of musical works. And, um, yeah, the, the, there's a there's a number of standout segments in there. The, there's a uh, the 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 most famous is probably the Peter and the Wolf section. Yeah. That that one I feel like at least when I was a kid was used in like music class to teach people about the different parts of the orchestra. Um, there's a, a a pretty good rendition of the the poem Casey at the Bat in here. Um, there's <laughs> just like some really weird stuff as well but um there's 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 a whale that sings opera in this movie you know that, what that's what it's like that it, it's it's interesting but it, it was a pretty good time i was i was pleasantly surprised by it also this is the only film made by Di like the only disney animated feature film that is not on disney plus Oh, every single other film from the, their animated canon is on Disney Plus, except for this movie. Um, some people are speculating it's because of rights issues. Some because like they they haven't fully restored this section. But I wasn't able to find this on Disney Plus. I was able to find this elsewhere online. Um, but it's also it's even hard to find elsewhere online because. Like even the versions they've released on like DVD 
and home video over the years have certain segments of them cut out um, for various reasons. There, uh, the opening segment of this movie is uh, about it's like kind of a um, a renamed uh, version of the Hatfields and McCoys, but like oh. fighting out their duel. Um, and it's like, there's a lot of gunfire in this segment, which I think is why this is cut for most releases, but it was very interesting to see this. So, uh, you can find this section on YouTube, but it's not available in any other release of this That's film. So funny. That's so weird. Yeah. So that was, that was an interesting time, an interesting, like deep dive into the Disney animated canon there. So I'm looking forward to more of those because there's like there's several more package films that I have to get through. So right, because you're going in order, right? Yeah, yeah. So just, there's, I mean, you're pretty far back still. Definitely, yeah. I mean, we started in the sort of like 1933. Now we're up to like 1946, I think. So wow, got it. Got got a ways to go. Yeah, 1946 was a long time ago. <laughs> that it was. Nearly 80 years ago. Oh, we didn't have to say that. <laughs> wow. Darn it. It seems like 1946 was just yesterday. I was just there. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, well, nice. That's fun. Glad you're continuing with that project. Yeah. Oh, uh, Speaking of old films, I also watched... Uh, a Buster Keaton movie this Buster week. Buster Keaton. Yeah, this was actually I think the first Buster Keaton movie I've ever seen. It's Sherlock Jr. Ooh. Um surprisingly good. I mean, like I heard that this was good and expected it to be good, but this was like, wow, like this is like masterpiece filmmaking. Um it just it it does so much with the medium of film for such an early movie made in 1924. Right. Um and it, it's about a, a like a movie theater employee who also wants to be a detective, mm-hmm. and I, I of course empathize with the movie theater employee, um, and he's really he's doing it all, which I guess was more common back in the day. He has to clean the theaters and run the projectors, um, and it's very interesting to see his job uh, d- running those projectors in the 1920s, right. But like, there's this extended fantasy sequence in it where he falls asleep and dreams about like walking into the screen of the movie theater and becoming part of the movie. And it's just like it is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen from a 1920s movie. There's just like there's so much imagination there. And then, of course, being a Buster Keaton movie, there's some fantastic stunts. There's the kind of stuff that you simply cannot do anymore because it involves like trying to outrun a train and get over the tracks before it hits you and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, it was really wild to see. So that was, I mean, I already expected this to be a good film, but it was even better than that. It was surprisingly great. Um, Definitely enjoyable. And it's only 45 minutes long too. So in the time it takes to watch like one episode of Ted Lasso, not even (laughs) like, three quarters of an episode you can watch like one of the greatest films ever made is it ted lasso hour-long episodes 
they're they're verging longer and longer <laughs> oh yeah some of them are over an hour now wow ted lasso what are we doing um, <laughs> all right well cool what yeah. a what a fulfilling movie watching experience you've had lately i feel like i've watched like nothing um <laughs> i've just been so like bleh, um all the time um i have seen some movies i saw polite society which i thought was fun um that was enjoyable i saw suzume um which i thought was really really enjoyable oh yeah how was that great um and just like gorgeous animation um you know definitely recommend seeing it don't see the dub version which i almost accidentally walked into um because my theaters are showing both dubbed and japanese with english subtitles and i'll tell you what i don't want to see dubbed um but like as a rule i don't want to see english dubs I never want to see that. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand. Um, So, uh, but warning that they're both in theaters right now. Um, (laughs) um, So. Yeah, you got to do your research. It's definitely worth seeing. Um, If you, you know, I don't know. I always, yeah, I really liked it. Um, So I would see it. I try to see, I really try to see any non-American animated movies anytime they come around. Because I find that non-american animated movies speak to me more than american animated movies you know Um, well yeah i mean there's there's just so much more variety out there that we're really not seeing over here in the u.s um but yeah that that's always a treat when you can catch something like that yeah i mean i feel like i just feel like so often like animated films from anywhere other than the u.s are actually like willing to talk about like i don't know like actual themes like, like, the, like Japanese animated films will actually like have a like serious thoughts on like serious emotional themes that like other animated movies from like America like just don't want to. They don't want to do right. that. They want to have like very like simple like digestible concepts, which is totally fine. But it's nice like that's not really the kind of movie that I tend to go for. So, yeah, um, it's it's very rare to find an animated movie in the United States that is like for adults. Right. Not even necessarily like in terms of content, but like in terms of exploring more complex themes or more mature themes. Right. So yeah, like that that can be a real rarity. Right. So it's just nice. It's like refreshing. Um, so um yeah. Really good. Definitely go see it. Cool. Well yeah. Um there's been a lot there's been a lot of the theaters recently. Lots of other stuff. Uh, lots of stuff I've been missing, unfortunately. Um, but trying to get caught up. There's always stuff to see. There's, like, literally so many movies. And, like, we were spoiled for, like, two and a half years of there not being so many movies in theaters. <laughs> I love how you're describing it as, like, we were spoiled with less movies. <laughs> like, oh. Well, no, I'm saying we were spoiled with fewer movies that we had to see in theaters. Now we have to see these movies on the big screen for a while there. We couldn't see them on the big screen. Oh, okay. So you're saying that, like they were more, they were easier to see because we could see them on streaming. Yeah. 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 That's true. Yeah. So like some of these, there's movies that I missed, like going back a couple months that I still haven't seen because like they're available online, but like you have to rent them. And like, usually I wait till they come to a streaming service. Cause I'm paying or, so much. 
for all the I don't mind services. renting if they've come down to like the normal rental price, but I'm not yeah. doing that like 19.99 rental. Yeah, yeah, that's ex- that's a lot of money <laughs> to rent to watch on my own TV. Yeah, like, come on. Yeah, I can I can go see a movie in theaters for less than that. Dang. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's good. We're getting like it, it's a, it's a good problem to have, you know. We're being spoiled with an abundance of films worth watching. I do like that. I do love being spoiled with an abundance of films worth watching. Mm-hmm. And speaking of films worth watching, why don't we talk about our main a movie topic about books tonight. worth reading? A movie about books. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that a twist? Yeah. Yes, we're going to talk about the 1994 film, The Page Master. So. Whatever you imagine. Um, yeah, well, let's talk about it. Yeah. So this is one of the earliest films I remember seeing in theaters. You saw this in theaters? Okay. Yes. <laughs> 1994, you know, little five-year-old me or whatever. Um, I guess I was six at this time. Um, I mean, I guess I saw a 1994 movie in theaters too. My first theater movie was the lion King. So I, I'm pretty sure I saw the lion King in theaters. My earliest movie theater experience that I remember is seeing the trailer for Aladdin in movie, in a movie theater. I don't remember what I was watching at the time. I mean, I guess you're a couple years older than me. Yeah, because um, Aladdin is 92. I was one years old when that movie came out. <laughs> so I definitely wouldn't remember seeing it or see, and I de- I probably wasn't even alive to see trailers for that. Um, um, yeah, so. Yeah, I just remember the, uh, the when the Cave of Wonders comes out during the trailer, scare the shit out. I do. Now, I do have memories of seeing like previews for the movie, but I'm pretty sure they were just on TV. Because you yeah. know, back in the back in the day, they would do like, you know, you'd get like the the TV premiere, and it'd be like four years after it was in theaters. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, there used to be a much bigger time, like gap in time between a movie being in theaters and being on TV. But but I mean, and back then it wasn't like there was streaming. It was like you had to wait and like hope that it would someday show up on like cable television. Yeah. Um, so. It was just like a completely different world. Um, but yeah, so my earliest movie theater experience was The Lion King, at least that I can remember. I mean, but whenever I ask my mom, she's always said that, yes, that is correct. That was the first movie I went to in theaters was The Lion King. Um, so um, crazy that nobody took me to a movie theater when I was like two years old. <laughs> um, but I guess also I wouldn't take a two-year-old to the movie theater. So what do I know? Yeah, that's, um, that's a little young. I don't. I, I don't I think I was going to... with my cousins. So I know that. I mean, and some adults. It wasn't just my cousins, because um, my cousins are like two and three years older than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, that was my first movie. So same year, same year. As yeah, the Page Master. So yeah, I remember seeing this in theaters. I remember. <laughs> This is one of the few times in life when I've I've won something. What? Or at least it was at the time. I we, I we want got a free ticket to this movie on a box of Ritz crackers. Inside the box, there was free ticket inside to the, the movie. box. There was a free ticket to see the page the master. The page master, yes. Like specifically the page master. Yes, it was, it was a promotion for the page master that certain boxes 
had a ticket inside. Man, the things they got... used to do. The things yeah. they used to fucking I do. I feel like the, those kind of promotions either don't happen anymore or they'll just like, they'll print a code and you have to go look it up on a website. Like, yeah. Half the time people don't even do that. Remember what they took from you, man. This exactly. is like, come on. We need to return. Give me back like some Cracker Jack toys or something. Like, what are we doing here? Um, that is so upsetting. You're so right that you used to be able to find prizes in like boxes of snacks that had nothing to do with the movie. There was like, some promotion for Jurassic Park back in the day where like you won the prize if the box roared at you when you opened it. <laughs> like they would have oh. like a like a sound device put in there. Oh my god, that's so cool. <laughs> what? Yeah. It was like if this box roars, you're a winner. Like, you know, what? the reason we lost all of this is because Pepsi and that goddamn jet. So <laughs> exactly. All... Exactly. Oh boy. <laughs> we just all need to take down Pepsi. If we look, listen, if we start talking about the Pepsi Harrier Jet commercial, we'll be here all night. So you're right. Like, let's just suffice <laughs> to say there's a documentary out now. Go check it out. <laughs> but yes, this movie, The Page Master, this is a, a very early formative memory for me. Um, a movie I remember seeing very young and absolutely loving. We had the VHS of it. You want to know my, well. my earliest memory of this movie, and it's kind of um, really fitting, was checking this movie out on VHS from my public library. From the library, of from course. From the library. Yeah. We, we would ultimately buy it because um, I would go and check it out. Like, I would check it out, and we would watch it, and then we would return it. And, like, the next time we went, I would check it out again, and we would watch it and <laughs> return it. And it would oh, just, yeah. like, be, like, over and over and over. And so eventually my parents came home with a VHS of it that we could own. So, that's great yeah, yeah the, like the, that is definitely like how i used video stores back then like we just get the same movie out like week after week yeah. <laughs> and it's like your parents like sometimes would buy the movie like we had like a lot of the disney films and stuff growing up but there were other movies that i definitely saw like a million times at the video store but we never bought it like maybe they just weren't available i know it was a lot harder to find like specific films Back then, if they right. were like, that currently like, being releases. sold, yeah. yeah, yeah, I used to watch like the animated Little Nemo movie. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, the animated Adventures of Captain Nemo, like, and like he's on that bed, and there's like the black ocean like swirling around him. It's like Wait. the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. I don't. I think... had nightmares. Adventures in Slumberland. Yes, I wanted to yes. scream. Okay. <laughs> Adventures I, like that was that was a fright. There were a lot of frightening segments of that movie. Yeah, that was that like that is honestly like that mindset when like you're a child and like things can still like really scare you. I I like I yearn to recapture that at times. See, this like, is why I like Skinamarink. That is why it worked. Exactly. Yeah. Because when like I watched it, I was back. back in that that mindset. I was like, oh fuck. Um, oh, absolutely. So. And there are portions of the Page Master that absolutely scared me as a child, and we'll get into that. But yeah, I love that. It's like as a kid, like animated film can scare the crap out of you. Um, that was the power of animation back in the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely used to used to check out films in that way. This this film, at like, must have been a librarian's best friend. I mean, there's no better advertisement for the power of the library. Yeah, absolutely. This film that depicts an entire 
epic animated adventure taking place basically in the confines of the library. Right. Um, which is, it's pretty damn cool. It's a good advertisement for the concept of reading books. Um, it's very fun. So, you know, the basic plot of this is that you've got this young kid, Richard Tyler, played by Macaulay Culkin. Uh, this is, a, you know, a classic element of Culkin's filmography from that era you know, when he was really a superstar. He had to be um, anxious all the time. This was um, this was Macaulay Culkin's Macaulay Culkin era. So. <laughs> he was he was playing those Macaulay Culkin roles, roles the one we uh, all know, the ones we know and love. Yeah. So he's like he's a bit of a bit of a paranoid kind of fraidy cat. He's um, he's very obsessed with safety, and he knows like all the statistics for like household accidents and stuff like that. Um. He's not taking a lot of risks because he knows that the worst can happen. And he like he the, the big thing for him, uh, like the big conflict is that he won't go up into the treehouse that his dad is building for him because of like the potential for accidents. And his parents are trying to encourage him to to, you know, go out and try things and take risks. You know, take take some risks in life. Just some, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's an, it's an interesting setup for his character because I, I love that, you know, his journey is obviously learning to be braver and take risks and also to do this through the power of books. But, like, a, like a lazier movie that's about just the power of books might have him start out as a kid that hates books or is just like obsessed with the TV or something. Like you could easily see a movie in the nineties coming out like that. But I think it's really interesting that it's more of like a, a journey of his character, not just him liking books or not liking books. It's like the power of books to transform you as a person to make you make you better really. <laughs> Yes, although I do think that it is completely unbelievable that a kid like him wouldn't already like books, but um, <clears throat> yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's kind of funny, right? Because yeah. he's clearly, he's never been to the library before. We can right. assume it's because he just doesn't go anywhere because he's afraid of everything. I like that the library has like the, the um, New York Public Library lion statues out front for some reason. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. It was like, wow, we're suddenly in New York, are we? Yeah. Um, I really appreciated that. He yeah, so he you know, he's just uh he's a kid who's struggling. Um, that's what I would say about him. He has he has some anxiety. Definitely. Definitely you know? some anxiety issues. Yeah. And I get that. As a kid, like I've said in this episode, I was much like that. So I really related to this guy. I was like, yeah, same. Why do you think I watched this movie so many times? I mean, <laughs> it was obviously because I wasn't going out and doing things that would put me at risk. Um, so, yeah. Big fan of him in this movie. Big fan. Yeah. So, um, he he has to go out on his bike to to get some nails from the hardware store for his dad. Which is also, like, the jail. craziest thing that a dad has ever asked of his, like, very young son. Is to be like, go get some nails on your bike as the <laughs> storm is approaching. Fucking yeah. get in your car! Like... <laughs> 
<laughs> He's trying to convince him to like, you know, go out there and do things on himself. That's nice. A very life. bad storm is approaching. But, <laughs> well, yeah. we, we weren't aware of the storm. This, we this... weren't, but come on. You're telling me a dad like that didn't read the newspaper that morning? Come on. <laughs> this was the 90s. This was the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's, everybody's reading the newspaper back then. Um, I would believe it more now if people didn't know bad weather was impending. Why? <laughs> now you can have up to the minute weather updates on your clearly you don't live in new york city where nobody (laughs) fucking knows that it's gonna rain in the afternoon okay um i just i get alerts throughout the day they're like flood warning and then it's like barely raining yeah i don't know a lot of people around here who get alerts i mean i get alerts if it's like severe like but like that's when it's happening i'll get an alert saying "Ah, thunderstorm warning um not like there's going to be one later today. Okay. Um, well, weather. F- <laughs> more importantly, I just fucking check the weather myself. Right. In the 90s, though, virtually everybody. I mean, I don't know anybody who didn't wake up and first thing that was happening was the fucking weather channel on TV. Um, and, that is true. You did. You, know, you did kind of have to like prep yourself for the day back then because there was an idea that like you're going out there and you're not going to have access to information at all times exactly exactly so yeah there was more there was more that that's why morning shows were a much bigger deal back in the 90s Um, right but yeah anyway (laughs) we're going beyond the scope of this podcast once again um but that's the point of why we're doing a movie like the page yeah yeah okay yeah anyway he's he's going out in this like this massive storm suddenly pops up um and and he takes shelter in the library after getting like hit by some enormous branch that lands on his comically safety enabled bike. He also which gets is bullied like, by some local kids. Yeah, he gets bullied by some local kids for being a scaredy cat and not going over the massive like <laughs> ramshackle jump that they've made for bikes in the street. But don't worry, it's a Chekhov's gun. Yeah, so. yeah, we all know that that's coming back, so we'll we'll get to that. Um, and like, I, I love his bike in this too. Like that that's one of the most memorable elements of the live action portion for me is the goofy ass bike that he has because it's like it's like a normal bike, but it's got this big front piece attached to it that has like headlights and like a siren that beeps as he's going. <laughs> he's got a big flag on the back yeah it's a whole lot he's like you will not miss me you will see me (laughs) you're definitely gonna see me he's wearing like a motorcycle helmet and like a a big high-vis rain jacket (laughs) yep yep it's pretty wild that's Uh, another thing i mean he is wearing like a big rain jacket they clearly knew inclement weather was coming but yeah yeah they should know um, uh, but yeah, so he takes, he takes shelter in the library and meets, uh, the librarian played by Christopher Lloyd, who does a great job in this movie. Like, I, I love how he's able to, he, he sort of like lays out the whole draw of the library and like the journey that he's about to go on before it even happens when he's like, Oh, the wonders of the books though. 
adventure <laughs> fantasy he's like he's really giving it all and i love that like this performance has like the score soaring underneath him and like emphasizing the different genres that he's explaining this is like he, he's talking about horror and like the lightning starts crackling and the lighting is changing like yeah it's it's really beautifully done this introduction here um and he says like oh he's he, like the guy gives him a library card but he's like oh i'm not i'm not really here for any books i just came here to get out of the storm i'm just trying to call my parents he's like okay you can go go to the phones down there and he gives him some advice on the way to <laughs> like remember look to the books look to the books is like one of those things where it's like you could drink every time they say look to the books that does appear many times in the film look to the books it's just like this this is a very dedicated librarian i really admire him um he's just like there's literally nobody in this library but he's like giving his absolute well of course there's nobody in the library they appear to be in the midst of a tropical storm so well what better place to be in a tropical storm than in the library one's own home especially this library which is like the craziest most over-the-top library like this is like the library of congress in like some small suburban town which has a giant rotunda in the middle with a big painted ceiling depicting the page master in the middle and images of horror adventure and fantasy around the edge my favorite thing about the the big rotunda mural is that like there's the page master in the middle and he's just like a wizard there's like a scene for horror and it's jekyll and hyde presumably there's a scene for fantasy it's a generic dragon there's a scene for adventure and it's pirates and then there's moby dick (laughs) yeah there is like a strange asymmetry to like the the film throughout it that there's like two adventure villains sort of there's there's the pirate and there's moby dick and that also shows up at the end as well there's like we (laughs) we've got the dragon we've got dr jekyll and then we've got two adventure villains because we had to fill it out to four i mean horror is completely shafted yeah yeah horror gets like the the short end of the stick we very quickly go through horror but you know that what else what else is do (laughs) horror doesn't get enough respect but there's a very good horror segment in here though um anyway so he's he's looking up at this massive mural as he's wandered in the rotunda and then he he notices that like the paint has started dripping off of the mural and landing on the floor and then starts dripping onto him and it starts turning into this massive wave of paint that like it's it starts out as like the worst 90s cgi you've ever seen (laughs) but then it turns into like cell animation and it gets a lot better um but he's like he's running away from this massive wave of paint and he eventually gets hit by it and then turns into a cartoon. And then that's where the animated portion of the movie starts. Yes. Yes. I really, I have like so many memories of that scene as a kid. Just where, where like the wave of animation is running down the bookshelves and turning the books animated. Oh, wave okay. of animation. Wave wow. of animation. Wow. 
That was good. <laughs> that was good. Um, yeah, I loved, loved that scene as a kid. I also love how, like, he had to, like, fall and bonk his head, and then the waves had to come for him. They couldn't just come for him. He had to fall and bonk his head first. Yeah. Um, it's it's very um, Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Like, was it real or was she dreaming? Um, oh, yeah. But, this is know. this is very similar to Wizard of Oz yes. in a number of ways. Uh, but, yeah. And so he wakes up in, in an animated world. I like when he's like, I'm a cartoon! And the page master's like, you're an illustration! You, my boy, are an illustration. The page master is, like, constantly so extra. <laughs> he really... Like, I, I, there are so many lines from this movie that, like, the delivery of them is permanently imprinted in my brain. And the, the way that he says illustration is one of those things. Yeah. So yeah, again, the page master is played by Christopher Lloyd. He's got a dual role here, similar to Wizard of Oz. Um and he's he's very like authoritative and a little austere but also welcoming. He's just very mysterious in general. I, I he's the definitely page, mysterious. <laughs> the page master is a very mysterious character. I love that he he holds like a giant scroll in his hand that you really wonder like what is on that scroll. Um, he's other than that he's basically like your old wizard type, the long beard and hair and everything. I want you to know that when you said he's a mystery, all I could hear in my head was the page master is a mystery cat. <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> he would be the mystery cat. If, if we had to cat. assign him a Jellicle, that would be him. Um, he's really giving um, the wizard from the Sorcerer's Apprentice, but it's okay. Yes, um, and I, I think that that's very intentional. Yeah. Um, there's, I think that there's even some musical cues in the animation wave segment that are hinting at the music from the sorcerer's apprentice that makes sense yes um yeah so he's a he's a lot of fun and he loves to be like really cryptic so in that way he's giving like dumbledore um he's just like look to the books oh you will have to face three challenges I'm like what are you talking about but by the way, I know there's people who call me out for this. So the wizard from the Sorcerer's Apprentice is Yen Sid. Oh, I know. Um, I could have told you the name of that. Of course, of course. I just we, I we play Kingdom to... Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> we just have to let the audience know oh, okay. that 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 we know because we're. Cool I just like assumed that. that if I said he looks like Yen Sid, nobody would know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but okay, now yeah. that we've established, we know his name. So, so the, the page master explains to him basically that like he needs, he needs to get to the exit, but, uh, in order to get there, he has to, he has to go through, through the books. Basically. He's like, you got to get your shit together. You're going to face some challenges, horror, fantasy, adventure, have fun. Yeah. Look it's, to it, the books. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of similar to the beginning of a Christmas carols. Like you'll be visited by three ghosts and a Christmas uh, carol gets referenced in this movie. Yeah. There's a yeah. part in, in horror where he's like walking into horror and you hear visited by three spirits. And you hear it in the background. Um, yeah. 
So, There's yeah. obviously a ton of literary references. Oh yeah, movie. yeah, like, absolutely, nonstop. Um, oh my god. You know what my favorite part was, and this is completely jumping off course, was when they're in the fantasy section and they're like at the castle and you see him like climbing up and Atlas Shrugged is next to him. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he, has to, he lifts up the Atlas Shrugged book. And I was like, oh boy. It's so funny because like most of the other books referenced here are books that like a kid might read and then they put Atlas Shrugged yeah, in there. That's like, that's for a certain type of adult. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um but yeah. So but, he he does this. So He's, yeah, I mean we we can talk a bit more loosely at this point, but basically th- like this is where his adventure starts. He gets he gets whisked away on a uh a, like a book cart and um runs into a shelf, meets adventure and fantasy. They they sort of they, Adventure is played by Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart with and a great is pirate Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, um, got like a like a pirate book. They're both like little books with faces, which is really fun. Yeah, his, very... so all of all of Macaulay Culkin's new friends are books with faces, basically. They um, they've got very fun personalities. Patrick Stewart as adventure is like a pirate who's always trying to act tough and be yeah. a manly man, but. He gets himself he in trouble there. Um, he, he he's not he's not so good. He's he's talking a big game, but he's just a little book, you know. He's yeah. he's he's put he's fronting basically. And yeah. then you've got Whoopi Goldberg as fantasy. She's like the classic fairy type, um, except she's like, but like she looks it, but her personality is like brasher. Yeah, and, she's a little sassy. Yeah, um, you know, she's like, maybe, I gotta um, straight my Little Mermaid underwear. Yeah, oh yeah. The little mermaid underwear. The most upsetting part is when she like kisses fucking adventure and then she's like, In your dreams, and then she leaves the cave and she pulls up her underwear. And I'm like, Dear God <laughs> um, <laughs> We we almost we almost verge into an adult film yeah, at that point. Um, <laughs> um and there's a the third book, and that is horror played by the voice of Scooby Doo's Fred. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, Fred Frank Welker. Yeah, um, who I found out in the process of watching this is the third highest grossing movie actor by box office gross. Oh my god, I I He's believe behind it. Stan Lee and Samuel L. Jackson. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he is he is one of the biggest voice actors of all time. I was gonna say he's doing this by voicing a bunch of like fucking dogs. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. Whatever it takes. Exactly. Uh, whatever it takes. <laughs> I, know I know I can, I can make, make it, it through. through. Um, yeah. His his performance of this is really good too, because like the other two are are like they're firmly in their genres, kind of. But horror. Whoopi is, Goldberg is being Whoopi Gold. Yeah, Whoopi Goldberg is being Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, Patrick Stewart is being the brash pirate. Yeah. Um, but Frank Welker is being like a very goofy, silly, like adorable kind Igor. of Igor character who's just like just trying to be everybody's friend. And he is, he is by far the most comic character in the movie. Yeah. And he is just really selling it all the time. He's like that one hyena, you know? That one hyena. <laughs> You know the one. You know the one. Yeah. You know the one. Wait, wasn't Whoopi Goldberg also one of the hyenas? So, um, was she? Who's she in? She was in. uh, 
No, no. What? Who's she? the girl hyena? I don't remember. Maybe. I mean, that sounds right. Right? Like, you'd expect that. Right. But these movies are the same year, so no. But it's animated movies. You can do voice. Oh, yeah. You can easily do a couple voice acting ones in a year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, she is. It's her. Shinzi. Okay. Um, great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, so, yes. That's pretty fun. Um, I don't know who the, like, the goofy hyena was in that one. Um <laughs> Was Cheech the goofy one? No, Cheech Marin was not the goofy one. He's the, he's the <laughs> other. He's that one guy. Um, so, oh, it was Jim Cummings. It was so fucking Jim Cummings. He of was course. also Scar, but Jim um, Cummings is yeah. in everything for yeah. Disney. Well, he was Scar too, but um, but he was also Ed, and Ed is definitely the stupid hyena. Um, oh yeah. So, <laughs> just like the name. Anyway, um, so yeah. Anyway, um. Igor Igor book is a lot of fun and he's the he's the horror book and horror is our first challenge that he has to face and I'm so salty that it gets shafted and ends so quickly I'm yeah. so upset the horror segment is pretty short like it, it's interesting watching this after having watched it so many times as a kid because the horror segment looms large for me and I do think this was a very early exposure to horror for me and I did not like horror much as a child. Um, I don't think most kids do. This is, but like, this is one of those like safe kind of kid friendly horror things oh, that, yeah, I, totally. that I yeah, did yeah. watch like again and again that like was just giving me the first footsteps into that genre. Um, but I, I do love this segment. As short as it is, they, they, oh, yeah, I like it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. They break through the, the books after being chased by the hounds, num- of the, Baskervilles. the hounds of the Baskervilles among a number of other things <laughs> like a giant squid and stuff that all well, that's these because, things, but they unleash the giant squid. Yeah. They, all these things come out of books so that they open. What happens is it's actually pretty fun. Um, so adventure is trying to make Macaulay Culkin be more brave and Macaulay Culkin's like, I can't climb a ladder. Um, which is like, just like, okay, fair. He won't even um, climb the ladder. Like, okay, that, as a kid, I wouldn't climb a ladder either. So if we could all just calm down about kids not climbing ladders. <laughs> this, um, you're taking this very personally. Like, uh, this is literally I you. currently would feel alarmed about climbing a ladder that is just leaning against a bookshelf like that. I okay. would 100% feel weird about that. <laughs> I'm going to be honest about it. All right, all right. I'll climb know. an A-frame ladder without concern. But a ladder that is just like a straight ladder leaning, I will be afraid it will fall. That is a thing that I'm afraid of. That I guess that that is fair. So okay. anyway, moving on from ladders, the boy doesn't want to climb a ladder. However, he must climb a ladder. So Adventure decides that the way to get him to climb a ladder is to open 20,000 leagues under the sea <laughs> and unleash the giant squid. And it is so funny to me. Like, that is not... Okay, sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. Imagine if... He should have picked up, like, fucking... He should have picked up a Lovecraft book and unleashed oh, Cthulhu. God. Can you imagine if Lovecraft got brought into this movie? It was like fucking Cthulhu like comes the, out. Un, the Ancient Ones <laughs> came into this movie. That would be pretty wild. Um, we don't get that. They, they do end up seeing the hound of the baskervilles and yes. the squid from 20,000 leagues and I don't they really think this is how the hound of the baskervilles like you know but it's fine <laughs> they they go through the bookshelves and end up in the horror land 
Yes. Um, they're very. It's they're out of the library fully now, and they're in the world of the imagination. And we go through horror first. They pretty quickly run into horror. The book when he falls out of the sky. <laughs> um. I find it interesting that there's like a book named after every genre, but they're not like a specific like book. Like they're not like horror isn't, you know, Frankenstein. Yeah. You know what I mean, no. Um, and so, um, I assume you would think they're like, like, like they should be like the gods of their section. They should be <laughs> you, like, you would think they would be much more powerful relatively. They are, they're genre books. I think that like as books, they're like, big compilation those like big compilation books of short stories i was thinking that i was thinking some sort of compilation or like um like a book of like critical essays on them or something like that i I don't think that macaulay culkin is reading like critical essays who the fuck knows have you seen those books that he checks out at the end those are something no but Um, but he's he's supposed to be like learning more about like adventure and fantasy and stuff not like being a nerd not like being a nerd (laughs) wow wow just saying you know it's more do less study that's that's the message here wow um (laughs) anyway they so they're going through the horror place and everything's really spooky of course they end up in this big spooky house um where Dr. Jekyll is. It's the one who invites them in. Um, now, of course, we immediately are all like, mm, uh-huh. Um, my favorite part is when, like, they, like, get to the house, they see the gate, and and Whoopi Goldberg's fantasy is, like, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Must be a duplex. <laughs> I'm like, we as an audience are all just like, oh, no. This is too bad. This is just upsetting. <laughs> I did not understand that joke as a child. I did not know what a duplex was. I didn't know what a duplex was, but I will say that even as a kid, when I first saw this movie, I knew Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Oh, yeah. I was like, like, oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, I I knew because I watched the Wishbone episode, you know? Oh, hell yeah. Wishbone is is very in the vein of this kind of thing, like getting you introduced as a child to those classic stories. Uh, Leonard Nimoy plays (laughs) Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah, that's this, pretty fun. Which is another like the the cast for this is pretty ridiculous. Um yeah. That's that's awesome. He does such a great job. He does. Like he he really brings the the gravitas of Jekyll. You like inside man there is both good and evil. <laughs> and then and he's like wandering around in this like dimly lit house like holding a candle. Um going Mm -hmm. full gothic horror and he's like even now there are forces conspiring against you and it's like boy get out of here then (laughs) yeah this this isn't a good place i love it because then like the forces conspiring against them turn out to be just like him he like intentionally drinks yeah he's the evil and i also love that he invites them to have a drink like he's he's testing his experimental potion but he's just like yeah have a drink (laughs) i like that the experimental drink burns through the wooden floor but just turns you into a new thing yeah 
It doesn't uh, harm you in any way. It just turns you into evil. I love that the experimental drink comes with an olive in it. <laughs> like, which well, also is not burned. He's gonna, unlike the wood. This this like make... potion that makes him Mister Hyde eats away at wooden floors, but like olives and human bodies are left, you know, uneaten. Yeah, he's he's gonna make a potion, but he's gonna serve it in a martini glass with an olive. I I feel like that's that's just so funny. Uh, Honestly, and, it's respectable. Uh, and horror wants to get in on it. He tries to he tries to get the drink from Adventure. Adventure's like, this is a man's drink. Yeah, yeah. And but then horror knocks it over while he's trying to get the olive out of the out of the drink and spills it on the floor. It eats through the floor. And then meanwhile, you see. Dr. Jekyll in the most like dramatic silhouette. Like yes. I really love the animation of this movie because they, they get all dramatic at the big dramatic moments. It just switches. You can see the transition from like regularly animated into like a silhouette and you just see him gulp down the drink and like clutch at his chest and slowly start transforming into Mr. Hyde. And like the Mr. Hyde transformation is like straight out of like a werewolf movie or something. Yeah, it's he, very he, he has like the, the gripping hand that you see growing hair on it and stuff. Like it's pretty dramatic. This was very scary as a child. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that though. I love that. They're like, they're we're like, we're making this movie for kids, but if we're going to do horror, like we got to make it at least a little scary. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Mr. Hyde is pretty freaky. Um, and he is, I, I love his line. Too. He's like, they're like, Dr. Jekyll, are you okay? He's like, they call me Mr. Hyde. <laughs> and he has like the craziest face you've ever seen in your life. It's wild. It's very disturbing. Yeah. That's um, very good. <clears throat> that shit was scary as a kid. Yeah. yeah. He, he started smashing shit up and chase them around and then he ends up falling into this big pit that he makes in the floor when the chandelier goes crashing through well the He's... chandelier goes crashing through because horror is trying to drop it on him yeah um and then horror gets stuck in the chandelier so it's this whole thing and macaulay culkin won't go help horror so fantasy has to and she turns her wand into a, a welding tool um yeah, that's that's his like that's him still clinging to not taking risks, not doing anything. But he does he does take a risk when escaping from the castle after they've beat Mr. Hyde by like swinging down on that vine. So that's like the first moment of him like starting to you know seize the moment, take risks, be brave. It's like his first step. It's progress, you know. He's passed the first challenge, sort of. Yeah. And so then, that's pretty much horror. Like that is horror. It's 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 qu pretty quick. Um, and we quickly end up in Adventureland, um, where we run into both Moby Dick and Captain Long John Silver. It starts with Moby Dick, though. Yeah, the Moby Dick portion is. Like Moby Dick is not really, I mean, Captain Ahab is not really an antagonist, but the whale, it like kind of is because it ends up upsetting their boat that they go out in. Um, another really dramatic animation moment is here when uh, K 
Captain Ahab is like giving his big speech before throwing the harpoon at the whale. Like, like all the color suddenly sinks out of the animation and it's like black outlined in red. It's like the, the craziest, darkest thing ever. It gets really intense and dramatic as he's giving this speech. Like, oh, damn the whale. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, <laughs> this is wild. He throws. It's like kind of crazy that this like, kid's movie was like, you know what it needs? A fucking Captain Ahab Moby Dick plot. Yeah. Like, another Like, that's a book that a lot of kids aren't going to read. <laughs> I got to say, you know, I, I've read a lot of these other books that they're referencing, but. At that age, I was not reading Moby Dick. No, of course not. Why would you have been? <laughs> um, but the whale, the whale capsizes their boat, and Adventure and um, Richie end up on this like plank, thinking that they've lost fantasy and horror forever. And they get rescued by the pirates, but the the pirates quickly reveal that they're they're not nice pirates this isn't this isn't fun times they're they're gonna basically make them their slaves and make them help them dig up the treasure that they're looking for it's really and they get they get pretty threatening too they're like i'll show you the color of his insides oh yeah yeah you know pirates right yeah Um, it's pretty intense intense stuff They end, they end up with those pirates. And the pirates are on a, a journey for treasure, as pirates yeah. tend to be. Of course they are. As pirates yeah. This is this is uh, I like this part that like the pirates are like simultaneously menacing, but also like a little bit bumbling and goofy. It kind of feel, feels like we step into like a different kind of movie for a moment here. Like it's something like the road to El Dorado. Oh my God. (laughs) Where we're just like, we're doing like comic treasure hunting type stuff. Right. I I like the part where they're, they bring up the map and they're like, it's in the middle by the waterfall. No, it's East by some broccoli. (laughs) It's like turning, turning the map around. It's just got a big W and a tree on it, but they're like looking at it from different angles. In like, fairness, it's like the worst map of all time. <laughs> that like, it's not a good map at all. It has no like it literally does not show the geography of the area. I was gonna say, I'm it, not even sure it should qualify as a map. It shows a tree, which like there are clearly dozens of trees around. It could be any yes. tree. West, like west of what? <laughs> Where are we going here? <laughs> Worst map ever, but they, yeah, so like they, they get to where the treasure should be and the treasure's all cleared out. The pirates turn on Captain Long John Silver and there's a big fight and uh, <laughs> horror turns out to, to still be there. He's like, he's pretending to be the ghosts of pirates. <laughs> speaking they're all from the trees. All yeah. the pirates are superstitious. Like, they evil spirits. <laughs> <laughs> Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. They do actually sing that too. Mm-hmm. They um they they go into that. So then all the pirates are like, "Oh no, there's ghosts here!" So they all start leaving. Yeah. Um, there's a big like madcap slapstick sequence of all the pirates running into each other, getting bonked on the head and stuff. 
Um, and Richie has another another brave moment here where he has to use the sword and threaten Long John Silver to make him leave. Um, so it's a, and and Long John Silver's like, hey, like he's like giving him a little respect. He's like, hey, all right, you're threatening me. This is pretty good. <laughs> Not that much. Yeah. He's like, all right, boy, I'm going, I'm going. Isn't that like the pirate code? Like, you know, <laughs> if, if you'll stand up to me, then yeah, I'll respect you. Gotta you got to give respect when someone's threatening you with a sword. Yeah, that's what you got to do. That's it. So I get it. I get it. <clears throat> Again, you know, I'm not really sure. It, like, Macaulay Cogan's lessons are like somewhat unclear, but you know, he's getting something out of this. Um <laughs> He's yeah. getting increased bravery, mostly, every time. Um. Yeah, it's bravery. You know, it's also friendship. Like, he, he's oh, not... Oh, there's definitely that, yeah. There's, he is a kid who just hangs out by himself, pretty much. They, they also established that early on. It's like, he he's left Little League because he, he ruined it for all the other kids by citing, like, statistics of injuries and stuff like that. See, now... Yeah, I get that. And, and the you know the ki- the kids bullying him in the street are sort of emblematic of the way that he relates to other children. Right. He's not getting along with people. No. But here, you know, he he's found real friends, and he's he's standing up for them, and they're standing up for him, and they're they're getting closer. So that's good. That is good. Good for him. Good for but him. it's not it's not all it's not all happy fun and games though because uh, adventure is still being a little too gruff with horror you know horrors he's really sweet he's kind of dopey and he's he's trying to make adventure like him by trying to like impress him by acting like a pirate he puts on like the the pirate outfit he's like look I could be just like you like you'll never <laughs> be me. <laughs> Well, yeah, I haven't def- got the spine for it. There's, <laughs> there's definitely uh, some tension in the friend group, but the you know, it it's fine. They'll get over it eventually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, an adventure has to has to re- rescue horror from the Gulliver's Travels set piece, and that's that's when they finally become a little bit closer. Right. Horror is like pinned down by the Lilliputians with the little cords on him and everything. <laughs> Love that. Horror. We're, that's kind of the transition into the fantasy sequence as well. Yes. Yeah. Um. And um, I love the beginning of the fantasy sequence. It's the most noteworthy part of the film, I think. This is this is the most '90s part of the movie as well because well, when they transition and we immediately yeah. start singing. We get into um, an original song right away. Um, it's a really good one. And whatever it, you imagine, whatever you imagine, it's that classic kind of like '90s R&B movie style. Um, it's really good. It's all it. It's like Disney World fireworks music, kind of. It's extremely Disney. I mean, not even kind of, especially like old school Disney World fireworks music. Like it is, it is so that, and it's so funny when it like shows up as soon as we get to fantasy. It feels like such a good like encapsulation of what like animated fantasy movies were like at the time. Yeah, um, it's just so good. 
yeah, I love this song. It's really good. Um, it's sung by Wendy Moten, yes. who was just uh, she was relatively unknown at the time. She just got a uh, runner up on the voice. I found out, which <laughs> is pretty wild. Like she just like someone who, who sang on this movie back in 1994. And now she's doing the voice. Like it's crazy. But, yeah, that like is she lot. is incredible. Uh, her voice on this is really good. This song is just awesome. Just brings that sense of wonder and imagination that yeah. they're trying to put in this movie. And the whole time you're watching, like the whole time the song is playing, you're like entering into fantasy world. So they're going through like this like fantasy realm. Yeah. Um, so there's this like nice animation unfolding. Seeing seeing different little fantasy characters, the little pixies dancing around. Um, there's uh the pixies that that carry off Richie's glasses and start putting them on different people. Yes. Like they yes. put them on Humpty Dumpty and he falls off the wall because he, he gets off. dizzy. <laughs> Poor Humpty Dumpty. Yeah. Uh, oh, rip, rip Humpty Dumpty. But yeah, yeah, we're entering into the fantasy world, seeing all sorts of different little fantasy characters running around and stuff. But then the big, the big set piece of the fantasy world is when we get the dragon. We do. And the, we dragon do the dragon is is definitely one of the more memorable parts of this movie. That's when Richie really has to to stand up and be brave. We get a couple. There's, there's a couple different parts of him fighting the dragon, um, it, like, and he even gets eaten at one point, and has to like dig around in the books in the dragon's belly to like find something that'll defeat him. Well, this is this is when um, looks of the books becomes specifically relevant. Yeah, he's like laying around in the belly of this dragon, which has like, like a lake in the middle of the belly. Hearing the whispers, like, look to the books, look to the books. To the books. He's like, look to the books. That's right. He's like looking at the books. He's like, nah, nah. And then he's like, Jack and the beanstalk. <laughs> Bust the giant beanstalk right out of the dragon's mouth. It feels a little cruel. It feels a little cruel to the dragon. Like, we yeah. could have been more humane. Rip that dragon. Um, I love, I also, I like the part where they're walking, like, but when they first find the dragon, they're walking around in his mouth without knowing it's a dragon. Because it's a cave, and they're like, they chop off like one of his teeth or something, thinking it's a stalactite, and then he wakes up. It's like that classic <laughs> moment where it's like, oh, this is actually a very giant, very dangerous beast that's sleeping here. And it's, then, um, oh, a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> and another another part that I really like is when he's uh, like climbing up the big mountainside thing and finds oh, yeah. the the night skeleton yes and like mm -hmm. takes the armor off of it as it disintegrates like yes, that the skeleton is like crumbling <laughs> the poor skeleton he grabs like, the shield and the sword and the ridiculous helmet yeah oh, that's that great part's good. that part's good and he's like doing battle with this dragon on the side of this mountain trying to climb this castle um it's great you know this is like supposed to be like the ultimate overcoming your fears right fighting the dragon that should right. be uh that should be the end. The biggest, like most literal uh metaphorical embodiment of your fears, your greatest uh greatest enemy. Right, right. That uh yeah, and he ends up beating him with the beanstalk in the end. Well, you know. 
saving saving his friends. <laughs> there there's all there's that that moment between adventure and fantasy with the kiss. Which is very funny. He's like, What a how'd you like to curl up with a good book? <laughs> In your dreams. And then that's when she has to pull up her little mermaid underwear. She does it right after that. Yeah. It's and, very upsetting. And there's like a sparkly sound effect when it happens. I also like that everywhere, whenever Fantasy's walking around, she's wearing like glass slippers so you can hear them clicking, clacking around. Yes, because of course she is. Yeah. We're doing we're doing all the Fantasy tropes here. Um, But yeah, every... every we triumph over the dragon at the end. Richie saves all of his friends and they're heading to the, the top of the mountain where the giant exit sign is, which they've been yep. following this whole time. And we've completely failed to mention up till now, <laughs> but you can, you can see like the glowing exit sign multiple times um, throughout the film. And it's you always can, like yes. far in the distance. And the idea is like, if he gets to the exit, he can he can check out the books with his right. li- new library card, and he can take them home. And like the books, all of the want, books want that. They the books want, want to, to be home. checked out really badly because like that's when they get to see more of the world. Right, they get to be out in the real world, and um, you sort of get the sense that none of these books have been checked out in a while. They're like dusty old. Uh, like we said, like probably like compilation books that nobody's really interested right. in. But <laughs> but they really want to go out and see the world and Richie wants to give that to them. Um, I wonder how much they can see the world with this kid. All they'll see is that tree house. Yeah, well, maybe Richie will start doing more things and he'll bring his friends along with them. Okay, well, Richie is still a child, so he's not traveling anywhere. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> Richie, Richie can go on some adventures. So it's all up to your imagination what Richie does next. Wow, whatever you imagine. Whatever you imagine. Um, that, was, that was a beautiful rendition. Thank you. That was completely off key. Um, but <laughs> anyway, so they, they go up towards the exit sign and they find like this big swirling void in there. And then the page master is there as well. And the the books like immediately bow down before the page master that and richie is like pissed off at him he's like you the one who put me through all this do you know what i've been through and he like starts recounting all the shit that's happened to him and they're like we are in the presence of the page master show some respect yeah clearly everybody else has like this deep respect for the page master and richie's like listen i don't care the page master dealing with right now he's the master of all books like this is the most. He's like the god of their universe, and Richie's just like fuck you, old man. Like, do you know what I've done today? Um, and uh, and the page master is like, well, you know, I could have led you to the exit right away, but then would you have had the courage to face your own fears? And he shows him images of all the things that he's fought on his journey through this big swirling orb that's right. there. And the, you get uh, like Dr. Jekyll and Long John Silver and Captain Ahab talking to him. And then <laughs> you just get like the dragon roaring. At one <laughs> I, time. I do love that. All of these other characters are like, 
you triumphed over evil. <laughs> you blah, 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 blah. You had real dragon... pirate stuff. That. Right. And then the dragon <laughs> just goes, <"Rah!" laughs> It's like, all right, that makes they, sense. They kind of cut anything. that part up a bit. They gave the page master another line before that part to make it a little less incongruous. Right. He's just like, this is your greatest fear or something. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But but I love it. It's like this was all the page master's plan all along to get Richie to to see that he could be brave, that that he could face these challenges. Right. And that that's the power of books that's to take do. you on journeys that you places that you couldn't go otherwise. And they can to take you on adventures. Challenge you. Yeah. That's how you have uh you take safe risks by reading. Mhm. You know? Yeah. You don't want to actually go wandering in a dragon infested cave, but it's no. to read about it. <laughs> no, that would be that would be first of all hard to do, second of all very dangerous to do. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. But yeah, so the page master also shows him his live action self lying on the floor of the rotunda in the library. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great moment. I love the little picture-in-picture picture moment there, showing yeah. Macaulay Culkin like lie on the floor. He's like, "That's me," and and the page is like, "That was you." Ah, uh-huh. yes, because now he's changed. You are a changed man. So we get this big swirly bit eventually when he sends him back, and he like his animated self falls into the live-action self in a very cool mixed media moment mm-hmm. you also get the dusty old books which are the real life versions of horror adventure <laughs> and fantasy falling yes. to the ground from the sky which is yes, great they just, like fall with like a thud they're just, these like, big chunky dusty books that look like they're like tomes they are tomes they are like how is this library like this is like a regular city library this seems like something you'd find at like an archive somewhere. Like these are hundreds of years old, but anyway, they land there. Richie, Richie's going to check them out. And Christopher Lloyd is like, Oh, I'm afraid you can only check out two. So I'm like, okay, this is, this is the shittiest library everywhere. You can only, you can only ch- check out two books at a time. That's pretty bad. But That's pretty R- bad. Richie's like, oh, but horror, I promised him. I know. Librarian's like, oh, what? Um, I promised who? Yeah. <laughs> but but he's like, just this once, you can have you can have three. He lets him lets him go. And as Richie's running off the books, he kind of gives him this weird look, like, hmm. But it's it's unclear. I think it's left ambiguous whether Christopher Lloyd, as the librarian, is also like a magical page master. <laughs> It, yeah, I think he it, may actually have some idea what's going on here. Right. It is definitely unclear. And I think that's intentional. I think you're he, not supposed to like know for sure. He gives him kind of a funny smirk as he goes. Right. On. Exactly. He gives a funny smirk. It heavily suggests. Yeah. But yeah, it, I, I, I love Christopher Lloyd in this movie. He's such a perfect casting for he's this. So good. Yeah. And he delivers like in his very brief time in this movie, just like an incredible performance. Yeah, he's great. What great so, weird wizard character. Yeah. So Richie, Richie goes home. The storm is letting up now. 
and his big act of bravery here in real life is he, he goes off the the big jump in the middle of the street with his bike. Yes. And he, he lands a sick jump too. He like really nails it. Yes, but I'm like, like, you know, maybe like that it might be reasonable to be afraid of this ramshackle jump that kids just built in the middle of the street, but like, <laughs> okay. Good on you for taking risks. Like I think especially also it has just like rained heavily. I just feel like I would not want to go over this thing, but yeah. But he's like, yeah, I'll do it now. I'm not afraid of anything. Right. And his, his parents are coming home. They're, they're worried clearly. Cause they haven't, they haven't heard from him. I guess they've been driving around the neighborhood looking for him. Um, but then they see his bike in the driveway and then they see the lights on up in the treehouse. and Richie's up in the treehouse, fast asleep with his new friends around him. They're like, we can't believe it. We're like, no way. Richie's Richie's in the treehouse. Like he, he would never have done that. They are. They're so stunned by this. They're like, and I love that they've had this tree house for a while, obviously, and he just won't go yeah. up there. And they're just like, yeah, okay, we'll just leave it there just in case. <laughs> yeah, I just spent all these, all this time and all this money building a tree house. Like, I'm not going to use it, Richie, but okay. Like, just keep working on it. But yeah, Richie's, Richie's sleeping in the tree house. They let him sleep up there overnight. And then after the parents go away, you get the silhouettes of the books projected on the wall of the treehouse and they're they're happy to be here they're ready for new adventures in the real world yes talking and joking to each other i love that they're still talking to one another (laughs) it's great it's it's such a good ending i love i love the and he's like hugging the books he's like yeah it's so good so good i hope he actually reads them and doesn't just carry them around (laughs) yeah i mean richie could turn into a real weirdo here like he he turns changes from being the weirdo obsessed with safety to the weirdo carrying these old books around with him everywhere being like these are my friends right yeah exactly that's a big fear these are my friends that's sweet Todd territory (laughs) (laughs) but but yes i think in a more real sense richie's discovered the magic of books he's going to go on new adventures through the world of literature and he's going to use that to make himself a, a better and braver person ready to take on the challenges of real life as he should as all kids should as a a kid reader i really related to that i was like yeah when i want excited excitement in my life i read a book yeah so i get it yeah this movie still hits so hard it's just it's so it does a great job capturing just the magic of imagination the power of books to take you to someplace new and it's it's a movie, you know. You're you're sitting there watching a movie, and it's like basically telling you, "Hey, go read a book." Yeah, <laughs> kind of love that. It's great. I do love that. That's a great, great uh, use of theme for a movie. Is go read a book. Don't watch a movie. Read a book. <laughs> and it's just it's a lot of fun too. Obviously, you know all the the adventure of it all is really fun got some great acting performances the music in this movie is so good um yeah we talked about the original song which is very nice but also the score for this the score is great is very very good um scored by james horner um 
who is yep. an Academy Award winner. He did the score for Titanic, mm-hmm. Avatar, stuff like that. He's he's a, a real titan in film score. Um, but yeah, I, there's just so many elements to this that are great. And I also love that it's an animated movie not made by Disney. Like this is a 20th century Fox film. Yeah. This is something always kind of nice about that. When you find an animated film from that era made by a different studio, that's not so well known for doing this kind of thing, but just really nailing it. Yeah. Very cool. But yeah, like I said, I, I had not revisited for this for a while, but this is, no, it had been over a decade. easily. (sighs) I'm trying to get back into like the kind of stuff that got me interested in films in the first place. Nice. And, you know, I don't know, (laughs) like thinking back to when I enjoyed this as a kid, this didn't necessarily make me more interested in watching movies. I don't think I would have thought about that as a kid at the time. But when I look back on that era of my life, this is, this was a big part of it. Like I really enjoyed this movie. It really meant something to me. And I'm really interested. I'm I'm very glad to have revisited it. Yeah, absolutely. It was super cool. I mean, as like, just like as like a a kid who was also like a voracious reader, this was just like something that I, I loved all all the time. Oh Um, yeah. Yeah. I was living in the library. So this, this definitely felt very relatable to me. Yeah. The whole thing. And I mean, it was just so unthinkable to me that there were kids who just like didn't just read all the time. So watching this movie was like, whoa, that kid. Um, but it was also just, it felt so um, vindicating, um, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so that's right. That is the power of books. Yeah. Look to the books. <laughs> you look to those books. You look to them. That's how I felt. That's how I feel now. Sometimes when I'm in bed and I'm feeling a little anxious, I look at my bookshelf. I get it. You got to look to the books. I look to the books. Not the most subtle metaphor that's present in this movie, but. Yeah. No, this is, this is a a movie of big sweeping strokes. Like they don't, they don't hide things from you. They're, they're all over the top. The metaphors. Yeah. Which I love. I mean, it's a kid's thing. They should be over the top, right? Yeah. At least that's I'd, how I tend to view it. Um, so. I yeah. just, I also, I just, like, as one parting note here, I just love the animation in this movie. The animation is so beautiful. Talked about it a bit, but really it is just absolutely stunning. They, they managed yeah. to capture the different vibes of each land so well. And like the dragon looks so cool and so intimidating. Like when it's trying to be spooky, it's really stylized and spooky. And like this, this is the kind of stuff that hand-drawn animation is just great for. I I mean, this is, this is just a a masterpiece of hand-drawn animation. Yeah. It does look really good. But Macaulay Culkin does have like the pinkest lips of all time. <laughs> yeah, Macaulay Culkin looks a little goofy only because we expect we like know what he's supposed to look like, and they're very much like making him look like Macaulay Culkin. Mm-hmm. But like at some times he looks a little goofy. But you know, 
that, that could just be Macaulay that, Culkin. That's trying trying to create a an animated version of someone is definitely challenging. Of course. I also I really like true. like Macaulay Culkin in this movie. He does he does such a great job of capturing the, like the transformation of his character. Yeah. Um, and like doing child voice acting, which is like a really challenging thing to do. It like, is. Yeah. Getting across a whole character with just your voice. Mm. Um. And, and like, and he's just like, the, especially as the as the timid, like, uh, scaredy cat version of Richie, like, really captures that. He's got that that kind of delivery from like Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. where he's just kind of like speaking words like this, like I'm. A <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I think he's great in this. He's uh, so good. He's so good. Just one of one of the best child actors to ever do it. He, there's a reason that he became a superstar. There is, yeah. Love him, love him. But yeah, that is the Page Master. That's really, the Page Master. A very fun watch. Highly encourage people to check it out. And if you have kids, like show them this movie. This yeah. is a blast. Maybe get them hooked on reading. Yeah, definitely. This will get your kids reading. So <laughs> check it out. All right. Anything else before we close out for the night? Uh, I don't think so. I think that's about it. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, um, you can find us on your favorite podcast platforms and leave us a review if you like what we're doing. You can also reach out to us, email us at buzzedonmovies at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at buzzedonmovies. And until next time, we'll see you at the movies. We'll see you at the movies. Oh, oh. We'll see you at the movies. We're in the public library. Yeah. Look to the books. Look to the books.